I'm Chip Bach, and welcome to Blue Rock. On each episode, we'll discuss what life is like on this big blue rock, where we are all headed, separately and together, what changes we need to make to ourselves, the planet, and towards each other, and just discuss what daily life is like for your fellow crew. And maybe, just maybe, we may also see a commonality that connects all of us. All right, welcome to another episode of Blue Rock. In this episode, I want to talk about the word peace. What I find interesting is the two most common definitions of the word peace are one, freedom from disturbance or tranquility, which can be something a little bit more personal, and two, a state or period in which there is no war or war has ended. Vocabulary.com goes on to define peace as peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting or war, everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. So if you pay attention to those three definitions, we're defining peace as simply the absence of a disturbance or war is what peace is. Nothing about how to create peace, nothing about how peace should be or how it should feel. There has to be more than that. Peace should be more than an absence of war. We can also find it in ourselves, but I'll talk more about that later on in the episode. It should be the ability to manage conflict constructively, to create opportunity for change and increased understanding. It should be a commitment to understanding and learning from differences. It should be a commitment to not harm, but also to nurture all individuals of this big blue rock, including yourself. So to that, what about our own peace as individuals? When a person feels at peace with themselves, they're content to be the person they are. Flaws and all. So where can peace come from us? Peace can come from within, from simple things that affect your spirit, your soul. Peace can come when I hug my daughter, when I hug my wife. Peace is shared laughter with a friend, a colleague, or a loved one. Peace is that grateful smile from someone you provided help to. It can be that simple. So now let's talk globally. How can this big blue rock create peace? In an article in the September 2018 issue of the New Internationalist, they broke it down literally to 10 things. We're going to go through those right now. Number one, eliminate exclusion. Evidence shows that conflict occurs when people can't trust local and national government and when the prospect of a decent life is taken away by corrupt individuals. All humans and media have to stop promoting the them and us scenarios. Congressman John Lewis once said, Not one of us can rest, be happy, be at home, be at peace with ourselves until we end hatred and division. Number two is establish equality between genders, races, creeds, and governments. Establish and promote individual economic equality, economic fairness when it comes to public resources, taxation, and tax evasion is also key. Number three, share wealth fairly. A World Bank survey showed 40% of those who join rebellious groups do so because of economic opportunity. 
Relative poverty is important too. More equal societies are marked by high levels of trust and low levels of violence. The systematic transfer of wealth from rich to poor provides more balance instead of the other way around, and it improves security for everyone. Number four is everyone's sweetheart, climate change. Though it currently has its shortcomings, the UN Climate Agreement is evidence that the world can tackle and mitigate crises by cooperation instead of war. According to Dan Smith from the leading arms control think tank CIPRI, a functioning climate deal is the greatest peace deal the world could have. Albert Schweitzer was quoted once as saying, until he extends the circle of his compassion to all living things, man will not himself find peace. Let's say that again. Compassion for all living things. And yes, I'm going to say it on this big blue rock. Number five is a fun one. Control of global arms sales. Global arms sales create tension and violence, period. Arms treaties must and need to be upheld. We should also build support for what I guess is now a crazy concept that bans nuclear weapons and makes it illegal to possess or use them. Albert Einstein helped bring atomic weapons into existence, but yet he said, peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Wow, do I wish that was not so ironic right now. Number six is less hubris and more policy change. The global track record of counterterrorism and war on drugs, stabilization and state building efforts, and other wars, historically for the most part, has shown a pattern of utter and complete failure. Humility and willingness to atone for past aggressions across this planet is still essential. Number seven is protect political space. If governments expect young, marginalized people to embrace an open society rather than pursue more violent and vengeful paths, they must allow public dissent. Across the globe and across the political spectrum, political space should be defended from repressive tools like ad hoc administrative regulation, misuse of anti-terrorist measures, arbitrary arrests, and imprisonment, and even torture and murder. Number eight is correct intergenerational relations. A lot of global conflict can be understood as a geographic area's youth revolting against established corrupt systems run for the most part by older men. Chitra Najarajan, who's a researcher and peace builder, explains that in countries where there are strict age hierarchies, youth can't voice their frustrations, which in turn creates a dangerous dynamic. This is compounded by classic victim baiting, in which young people are treated as a ticking time bomb. Number nine is, thanks Captain Obvious, build an integrated peace movement. We have short-term anti-war movements now instead of active and permanent peace movements. We should be promoting nonviolent alternatives and successes. Peace campaigner Phyllis Bennis believes peace must be woven into other social movements. An example of this is the Poor People's Campaign in the United States in March 2018, which, by the way, was also originally started by Dr. Martin Luther King. The PPC is a movement to bring poor people and all economic classes of all races together to realize that there is a web of issues that connect poverty, racism, voter suppression, and other issues that hold back the United States in particular, and again to eliminate the us versus them. John F. Kennedy said this, Peace is a daily, a weekly, a monthly process, gradually changing opinions, slowly eroding old barriers, quietly building new structures. So it takes time. 
We have to be consistent and we have to be mindful. And finally, we get to number 10, my favorite. Look within ourselves. Peace starts with you and me. Ordinary people can make a difference. When's the last time you said you're sorry? Think about who loses when you win or when we win. Are the people around you heard and respected? Or are they marginalized, ignored, and left out? Make a decision to care about what happens to them. Start a constructive conversation with someone you disagree with. Challenge the them and us thinking, not only in yourself, but in others. Every one of us can choose to make society more just and peaceful or more unjust and warlike. So a couple of final questions. Can peace exist with fear? Can love exist with fear? We'll explore more of that in future episodes. For right now, I'm going to leave you with a quote from the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. If you don't know the guy on the other side of the world, love him anyway, because he's just like you. He has the same dreams, the same hopes and fears. It's one world, pal. We're all neighbors. So I guess old Frank knew this is one big blue rock. Until next time, find peace, lead with love, and live aloha.